series called Daring to Commit. We're daring faith. We're talking about daring to commit today. And um, the dictionary definition for the word commit, and baptism's a commitment, obviously, isn't it? Includes the words to pledge, to bind, to be dedicated to, to decide to have a permanent relationship with, and to give using available resources. See, Jesus said, believe and be baptized. He didn't just say believe. He said, believe and be baptized. So if you're wondering whether that's something that you'd like to do, come and speak to me, speak to Ben, speak to the people in the information desk, and we can talk to you about whether or not you can be signed up um, to, be, to get baptized on Easter Sunday. Um, but the fact is, we live in a commitment-phobic culture. Many people are petrified of making any real kind of commitment to anything. Why why is that? I'll tell you why. Weirdly, the reason that they don't commit is because they're afraid of missing out. That's it. People are scared of missing out, and so they miss out because they didn't commit. The Bible says this. A double-minded person, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and should not think that he should receive anything from the Lord. If you're going to be double-minded, if you're going to be half-hearted, you're never going to have a great life because you'll never know what it is to make any great commitments. Nothing great ever just happened. I've said it before. Nobody ever went for a walk one day and found themselves at the top of Everest. Great people are just ordinary people who make a great commitment to do something great. Ordinary people like us can do great things when we get connected to a great God and we make a great commitment to him. So whether or not you're a Christ follower yet or not here today, I need to speak to you and tell you, you need a cause bigger than yourself to stretch the potential that you were made for. You need to commit yourself to somebody and something higher, something better. And there's nobody higher and there's nobody greater than Jesus Christ for you to commit yourself fully to today. And committing to him will bring out the greatness in your life that God has placed within your life. The greater your commitment to him, the greater life you'll have. I really believe that's true. Unless you don't commit because you're scared of missing out. It's like I go to a party and there's the buffet. And so I go along the buffet and I'm like, oh, look, salad. Uh, no, I'm all right. And rabbit food, no thank you. So I move along a little bit and I'm like, oh, little sausage rolly things. Yeah, no, but I bet there's something better down there. So I carry on and I move along and I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's those chicken satay sticks. I like them. And I'm looking. The next thing is there's somebody behind me. I'm at the desserts. And it's like, oh, no, hang on a minute. And now I've got to go all the way back to the beginning of the line because... I was afraid to commit and I ended up missing out. Some people's life ends up looking like that. You come all the way through life without ever really making a commitment, fearful of missing out because there might be something better. That's the clue, isn't it? There might be something better up there ahead that I can't see. And so I don't commit now and I end up missing out then and all the way along. You cannot have a great life without commitments. I'm getting a new car tomorrow. Oh, yes. It's a nice one. But I had to go in on Friday and fill in the forms. They won't just give it me. Even if I said, I really, really, really want the car. I like the car. Can I have the car, please? Yeah, you can have the car. Come in and fill in the forms. Sign the forms. You have to make a commitment. I have to, they won't just, when I say they give me the car, they're not really giving me the car. 
I've got, we've got to pay for the car. We've got to work out the payments. We've got to agree it. And then we have to sign. And the fact is, no matter what happens in the future, I've made a commitment to buy that car. You can't have a great marriage without great commitments. You can't have a great family without great commitments. You can't get a great job without making great commitments because maybe you need to make a commitment to, to get some qualifications to be able to get that job. On Easter Day, we're going to encourage people. If you want to change the world, one way you can change the world, on Easter Day, something that we're going to do is encourage people who don't already do it, or maybe if you already do it, you can do another one, to sponsor a child in Haiti through Compassion as so many of us do that. You want to change the world, you can change the world for £25 a month. That's as simple as it is. You want to, you want to be a world changer. If you, if you take £25 a month out of your wage, you can change the world for a child in Haiti. You can change the world for their family, even that village. You can become a hero, a superhero to somebody for £25 a month. But it takes commitment. Don't do it and then think, oh, well, I'll go and get, oh, aren't they beautiful children? I'll get a lovely photograph of a child, I'll take it on. And then think, oh, actually, I know I can't really afford it. Don't you do that to that child. Think about it now. Look at your finances. Could I do that? Could I make a commitment to change the world by signing up on Easter Day to compassion and changing the world through changing a child's life in compassion? The way com commitments work is this. The more you invest, the more you get out. I put on Twitter the other day, the more invested you are, the more valuable you become. See, that's true, isn't it? If you want to become, you don't feel valued. You don't feel valued maybe at church here. I'll tell you how you get more valued. Get more invested. The more invested you get, the more valuable you become. So there's people who come and go, and we don't really even know who they are very much, and they maybe don't feel very valued at the church. But if you start joining a team, if you become part of helping us to be able to do that, we, you know, then there's, there's, you're investing in this. You get put something in. You also get something out. You get something out in terms of the relationships of the people that you're working with and all the connections and that sense that you feel where you go from just going, I'm going to go to church to I am the church to this is my home. This is my place. This is where I belong. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the family here. Because the commitments you make make you. The commitments you make, make you. So a way to a great life is to, is to stop making the wrong commitments and start making some great commitments to some great things. And the greatest commitment you can ever make is to commit yourself more and more fully to God, to Jesus Christ. Romans 6.13 says, give yourselves completely to God. That's a commitment, isn't it? It's the highest, greatest commitment you can ever make in life. What do you give? Every part of you. For you have been brought back to life. When you gave your yesterdays to Jesus, he gives you all of your tomorrows. And you want to be tools in the hands of God used for his good purposes. Do you want God to use your life? This is how it happens. The more you give your life to him, the more he'll use it. So how does it happen? Practically, by making three commitments. Three commitments that if you make them, will, they will make you today. Why not make a note somewhere of these three? Because you can come back to it in the week and you can look at this. And there's a practical step to take for each one of them so that they will actually happen in your life. And it won't just be some information, but today it can lead to transformation in your life. Number one, to discover my purpose, I must connect with others in fellowship. Most people don't know 
maybe go through the whole of their life without knowing the purpose, the reason for their life. What a tragedy. And you know what? You will never learn who you are without connection to other people. Imagine a baby gets born and never connects to other human beings throughout its life. I know it's an impossible picture to have, but you know, it's not going to last very long at all, is it? But just imagine if that happened. The child grows up, never connects with other people on a desert island or whatever, grows up and never sees an adult who tells it what it is, never gets to be able to relate to them. It's not going to know who it is. It's not going to know what it's for. Because we only find out who we are in relation to other people. You wouldn't have the slightest idea who you were, were it not for other people who've helped you, who've shaped you, who've related to you for good and for bad over the years. And the Bible says, actually, you are a child. You are God's child. And you need to discover what it is to be connected into God's family for you to be able to find out what God made you for and the purposes that he has for you. You need to be in fellowship. You need to be in the body of Christ. That's what the, the phrase that's used time and time again in the Bible for what the church is. The church is the body of Christ. Here's how it's described in Romans chapter 12. Why don't you read it with me? Read it out loud so I know you're there. We are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from Christ's body as a whole, not the other way around. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount so much, would we? Function, meaning, that's purpose, isn't it? That's what it's saying, purpose. My ear only fulfills its purpose because it's connected to my head. If it was over here on the floor, oh yes, it wouldn't be any good over here. You wouldn't be able to hear my dad jokes. Unless your ear is connected to your head. The purpose of your ear or your nose is only there because it's, it's connected to you. And if you're connected to Christ's body, well, if you're not, how can you say you're connected to Christ? Oh yeah, I'm connected to Christ. I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus, but I'm not connected to his body. It doesn't work like that. If you're unconnected from his church, you won't really know. You'll never discover the purpose, the role, the function that he has for you. And I'm not saying that as a recruitment drive for Ivy. Listen, if this isn't the church for you, find one that is. Fully commit there. Make yourself part of that church. Make yourself valuable. Make yourself invaluable there because you're fully invested there. But if you decide that Ivy's going to be your church, can I ask you, get off the fence. <coughs> Stop kicking the tires. Stop wondering. You're wasting time. Week by week coming along here. You're wasting your time. You're wasting our time. Just make a decision. Get off the fence and connect. So first of all, if you've found out that God loves you, if you've got that fresh start and that new life that comes from knowing Jesus Christ, then you need to connect. One of the ways we encourage people to really connect is to join a small group together of other fellow believers, to read the Bible together, to start to do life together with people who are different than you. Not all, you know, the church is the only organisation where people who are very, very different all get together in the same room. You're never going to find that at the tennis court and the golf club. They've all got their own social strata and all that. The church is meant to be this incredibly beautiful mixture of incredibly beautifully different people. All together coming and looking like Jesus. That's where one day you suddenly find your fit. That's why we say in this year of equipping, you find your place 
to fulfill your purpose. Find your place to fulfill your purpose. Imagine if we all did that. Imagine if everybody decided to commit. To commit to use the best of your time, treasure and talent here at Ivy. We'd all benefit from that because you can't fulfill your potential. You can't find your purpose on your own. If I want to fulfill my potential, I have to be connected together with other people. That's why Ephesians 4 verse 16 says, Christ's body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its special work, it helps the other part grow. So when Josh stood up before and started saying about play your part, I'm like, maybe God's saying something here. Maybe God had a message for you today. And he wanted you to hear it a couple of times so you start to get through to you. We're all here to help each other grow. As you play your part, as you contribute, as you're not just a consumer but you're a contributor, as you're connected, as you're not disconnected, we, we grow together in fellowship. I, I'm here today. I serve up my gifts for you and I hope that helps you and makes you grow. People who serve here... Help me to grow. We grow together. The people sitting next to you now, they need you to be fully invested to play your part. And you need them. God wired us up that way. It's the way the body's meant to work. We all need each other. So are you going to fulfill God's dream? Are you going to be fulfilled? Are you going to be part of God's dream team here at Ivy? I hear so many people telling me stories about how how, how they've enjoyed doing that. It's not, I'm not saying this because it's like a bind and we need lots of people to fill in lots of rotors. I'm doing it because I talk to people who say, you know, they came, they were far from God. They heard about Jesus here. Somebody invited them along. Maybe they did an alpha course. They found out, oh, wow, this is real and this means me. And then they, they went on like the Freedom in Christ course or maybe some people did the recovery course and those kind of things that we did. And they, you know, we've all got issues. They've got stuff dealt with in their lives. They found a new freedom. They started to tell other people about it too. Then they got involved and maybe they went to a grow group and they're growing and they find them, suddenly find a place to serve. And it's like, I'm loving this. This life is so much better than it was when I was on my own. Ordinary people stepping out in faith and suddenly they connect with somebody and the two of them work together and they think up an idea for a whole new ministry, something nobody's ever thought of before. And then they start to change the world together. It's amazing. It happens. I can't even count the amount of amazing ministries that come out of this church. It's fantastic. I don't even know about so many of them. I look on Facebook and I'm like, I didn't know, we didn't know we were doing that. But when I say we're doing it, I mean we're doing it. I'm not doing it. You don't need permission from me. You've got a mission from Jesus to change the world, to help people to come and find him. Knowing Jesus, first of all, growing together in community, going and changing the world. That's what we're all about here at Ivy. So next one, to experience significance, I serve with other people in unity. We did another Rick Warren series. This is like out of Rick Warren stuff and some of us looking at in grow groups in the week. We did one a few years ago. Some of us were here called 40 Days of Purpose. And as part of that, Rick Warren said there's three levels of living in this world. Three levels. He says you can live at the survival level, or you can live at the success level, or you can live at the significance level. Most of the world lives at the survival level. Like those kids that some of us sponsor through compassion there in Haiti. One in seven people live in absolute poverty in the world right now. That's a billion people existing on less than one pound thirty a day. Existing. Over 90% of the world lives on less than six pounds a day. Survival level means I don't know for sure if I'm going to eat today. 
That's really what it means. I don't know for sure. And I've got clothes maybe, but this is probably it. I might have another change of clothes somewhere, but not necessarily. The global poor would love to have your money problems. We're at the second level, the success level, which means basically you have options. You can decide when you go out of here, you can have our lovely free coffee or you can go and buy one downstairs at Starbucks. It's up to you. You have options. That is the success level in world terms. You can decide what to do with your money. You're blessed already. You're in the top 8% in the world if you're living in this country. Do we realise that? So often what we do, we judge ourselves against people at a higher level than us and then we feel bad about not having any money. But like I say, there's people looking up at you thinking you're like Elton John. I mean in a good way. But just because you're living at a success level doesn't mean you're living a significant life. Hands up if you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Got a little picture of it up here. There used to be five levels of that. Can we put the picture of it on? There used to be five levels of that. It started out, you know, basically you've just got to get food and shelter down at the bottom level. After you've got that, then it used to be like five levels up. And it, the, the highest level initially, Maslow said, was self-actualization, which means I win. But they had to revise it and they said, actually, no, that doesn't go high enough. Not for real success and satisfaction and significance in life. To get significance, you need transcendence. And they define that as, I am doing something in somebody else's life. Everybody needs transcendence to have a truly fulfilled life. To go to bed and to think, I made a difference today, that is the ultimate in terms of being, having a significant life. So psychology and sociology, it turns out, are saying what the Bible said all along. That significance doesn't come from salary, from sex, from sports. It comes from service and it comes through Jesus Christ. You'll never feel as good about your life as the day you decide, I'm going to live for a cause greater than me. I'm going I'm to give my life a cause far greater than me. Jesus said these words, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, you'll find true life. See, God has wired up the universe so that the only way you're ever going to find and feel significance is if you give it away and you make a difference in the lives of other people too. Significance comes from service. When you stop thinking so much about yourself and you start to think about other people, that's why we encourage people here at Ivy to get involved, to put a towel over their arm and to serve in some way. Because the people who do that realise that they end up having a better life. Because you can't be selfish and significant at the same time. Look at me for a minute. The talents you were given, the gifts you were given, everything that you've been given, was not given just for your own benefit. It was given for the benefit of the people around you and the people in the world. Do you realise that? Meaningful ministry leads to a meaningful life. Meaningful service is the best kind of life to live. You might think, well, I haven't got many gifts. I haven't even got much to contribute. Listen, Jesus said there's no such thing as insignificant ministry. He said, even if you give to a, a drink of water to a thirsty child, say, here you go, have that in the name of Jesus. He said, that's always going to be remembered. It's actually going to be rewarded when you get to heaven. Imagine that. It doesn't have to be prominent to be significant. Sometimes we confuse those things. We think because it's prominent, it's significant. But just because I'm up the front today doesn't mean that I'm more significant in the body of Christ. 
There's no insignificant ministry. My nose is prominent. It's a great nose. I was told once in one week by two different people that I have the perfect nose. <laughs> Look at it, it's great. But there's nothing really significant about my nose except that it's sexy. It's, it's prominent, but that doesn't mean it's significant. See, I've got a heart in here. I've got lungs in here. I've got all kinds of stuff inside of me. I've never seen it. I believe it by faith, but I'm told those are in there. And if I didn't have them, uh-oh, I wouldn't even be alive. So prominence doesn't equal significance. So let's thank some of those amazing people who are on the Ivy Dream Team who are helping people find their way back to God because they set up or packed down this morning. And I'm going to keep on clapping for the sound guys and the visual people and those who are giving a cup of cold water to the kids out there because it's all significant and the welcome team members who smiled at you on the way in and gave you those forms because they're all helping people back to God because they're preaching the sermon before I ever get here and stand up and the visuals people actually literally help people see something that they wouldn't be able to see before and nothing just happens but people step up and people make it happen and we're so grateful thank you thank you thank you for everybody who does that and if I want to discover and I have to commit my fellowship to other people and if I want to get a significant life I have to contribute my service to other people and finally this is the one that if we commit to this you'll be rewarded for this over and over and over and over again for the whole of eternity it's this to make an eternal difference I must join together with others on mission do you know your life's mission? I mean, too many people, again, who don't know what their life's mission is. And many of them are Christians and they don't know what their life mission is. They're like, I, don't, I just don't know what I'm merely meant to be doing. I can help you today. Listen, God has a mission for your life and he has a message from your life. God put you here to have a mission and a message. When you join him in his mission, he'll give you a message. You know, the last words of people are really important. This is Jesus' last words before he went to heaven to the disciples. We call it the Great Commission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always. From the beginning of history, you see, God had a purpose and a plan for what was going to take place. And he made you now with a purpose in mind for your life. So let me just think about this carefully. Why would God give you a purpose for your life that was totally unrelated to his purpose for the world and for history? Why would he? It would be totally illogical. And God is not, by the way, totally illogical. So what you've got to do is position who you are and what you do within that, and you can't fail. Some people, I, you know, this, I've got to say, this thought struck me as a revelation in the week. So the closer I align my life and my mission with the mission of God, I can't fail. I'm, I'm tracking with him. If I connect who I am and what I've got with his mission, with fulfilling the Great Commission, it's going to work. You locate your purpose. You locate yourself within that purpose, that business idea that you have, the skills that he gave you. They can help people find their way back to God if you give it fully to him. Serving on a team here, stewarding at the higher tour. 
can help people find their way back to God. The instrument that you play, the art you create, the way you're good at gardening, the way you can bake a cake, the way you can write a play, the way you can teach a lesson, the way you can design on a computer, the way you write code can help people find their way back to God. So your enjoyment or your employment can become your deployment. I'm going to say that again because it was better than that. Your enjoyment or your employment can become your deployment if you yeah. give it to God. If, yeah. if you get, otherwise it's still just yours. <laughs> Nothing matters more than people finding their way back to God. What is the Father's purpose in history? He wants to build a family. See, I don't have enough faith to believe none of the, that it all just happened. I believe God made this universe with a plan and a purpose, and He wants people to come into His family. He made it all so that people will find him and will connect back to him. And when everybody's had a chance to be able to come and all of his lost kids that he really cares for get the opportunity to be able to come back into his family, then this period of history will be over and we'll go into eternity. What are you doing now that's going to matter then? Whatever else you get to do during your lifetime, your eternal purpose has to be connected to God's eternal purpose and his desire is that people are going to find their way back to him. The good news of Jesus Christ has to be preached to all nations, to all kinds of people, and then he'll return. So there is a place and a time for you to shine. There's a place and a time for you to shine for him. The, like we, I prayed about it before, the Bible says that. Make the most, the Bible says, of the opportune time because the days are evil. Anybody else feel like the days are evil? I look at the papers, I'm flabbergasted. The darkness that there is in the world. But you know what? At the same time, God comes along and he says, I'm going to give you opportune time in those dark days. Make the most of them. Don't you miss that time. Don't just go through life as if it doesn't matter. Where else in these dark days are people going to get to hear about how you can get your past forgiven, a purpose for living, and a future forever in heaven, if not through us and not through Jesus Christ? That's why he's giving us opportunity. That's why hire is happening. That's why we do this week by week. We've got some huge plans here as a church. We want to reach even more people. I've got ideas to at least plant. I can think of four more churches that I could plant in the next couple of years. Easy. But we need people. We need resources. We need team. We need people to step up and fully commit. Otherwise, it's just a dream. It's never going to actually happen. The way we work here... We don't spend everything that comes in and we don't get into debt as a church. Do you know what that's called? Good stewardship. You might have thought, oh, 26,000 pound surplus, that means I don't have to give any money. You know what that means? No, it means some people already gave and we looked after it well. It means we stewarded it well. Some churches would spend it all and call it faith. No, it's bad stewardship to do that. You can trust what comes in here. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I believe that in terms of the elders and the staff team. We value the money that people give. We're grateful for it and we want to use it for the kingdom of God. But we plan our budget so it tracks with your generosity. If you're not going to be generous towards it, we can't be doing a lot more ministry. So the more people who are more generous, the more ministry, the more people find their way back to God. That's just the way it works. And some people, I want to encourage you today, the reason that I gave you that form when you came in, could you get out the form and waff them a minute so I know that you've all got them and everybody's got them and you're not hiding it. Thank you very much. Have a look at the form. That's what you call a standing order form. Lots of you fill one in so you can get gas. 
so you can get electricity, so you can pay water, and all those other important people. My question to you is, how important is God? Is he important to you than the, more important than, or less than the gas? More. I would hope he is. I mean, the fact is, the problem is, God doesn't stop his blessings and cut off his blessings just because you don't give back to him. The gas board do that, so who are you more loyal, loyal to? <laughs> I encourage you, we plan our ministry because we can plan the income. The people who help us by filling the form and giving something regularly, we can do far more with that than the people even who give a lot every now and then. So would you join the first group? And would you do what you need to do this week, settle it to make that commitment? If you're somebody who has in your life already automatically set up a standing order payment for anything, then it just goes through the bank, then I'd love to encourage you to do that today or this week for Ivy, to give something that says that you're committed here. And if that makes you nervous, if it makes you fearful, I understand and that's okay. But to be honest with you, the problem is not money if you're nervous or you're fearful about that. The problem is commitment. It's that you've never nailed those three other commitments. Because if you've said today, God, I want to give you all my life. I want to give it all to you. That means it all belongs to him. It does, doesn't it? Including the money. So the question then is, will I get off the fence and will I actually commit to be able to be part of his, where my, my, my life is connected into his life and my mission in life is connected into his mission in life. See, if you do the first, the second one's easy. Macedonia's in the news at the moment. And the Bible, there's a group of churches in Macedonia and it says that they were really poor, they were really struggling. And around that time, the Apostle Paul bragged about them because something happened. These people who were themselves really, really poor heard about some people in a church in Jerusalem who were poor and going through a drought and going through persecution. And he says, by themselves, nobody had to ask them to do it. They decided, I want to give. And so they took up an offering and they gave very generously. Let's have a look at that scripture. It says, they gave beyond their ability, far more than they could afford. What? How? How could that happen? What explains it, say it with me, was, say this, that... Keep going. That's the secret. They gave themselves first unreservedly to God. And remember, I'm going to ask you to do that. Stand up and to say, I'm giving myself unreservedly to you, Lord. If you do that, he'll get your money. If you haven't, he won't. That's about the way it works. The first issue is, do I trust God with my life? The second one is, will I trust him? to supply all of my need. Can I trust him to do that? So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up and to do two things. First of all, to give your life fully to the Lord, to trust him, to commit every part of your life to him. Some people might be a first time thing for you to do that. And I'll ask you, while we're standing, to put up a hand so I can see it. And so these beautiful people can maybe uh, go and give you a book that will like, help you to be able to understand it, which I've written. And also, maybe that's part of you saying, I want to commit to joining a grow group here. I want to go on the Alpha course or whatever. But I'm going to be fully committed. I'm not going to be half-hearted. I'm not going to be double-minded. What a great picture of what this looks like. It's been behind us all the time throughout this series. The logo for this series is of a surfer. Anybody ever tried surfing? Put your hand up. I tried it. I was terrible. I kept falling off. Surfing is something that requires faith. You've got to believe, you've got to trust 
And actually, you've also got to commit to a power far bigger than yourself. You're connecting with something far bigger than yourself. I believe God is getting ready, there's a band come up actually, to send a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit upon his church in this city and in this nation. I say it again. I believe God is getting ready to send a fresh wave of his Holy Spirit to this church, to our city and to this nation. Zoe had a dream last night where some of us are going to spring harvest. At spring harvest, there's a great big wave about a crash when we go to spring harvest. I'm up for that. Zoe's excited. When they teach you to surf, you know what? They don't teach you how to create a wave. They don't do that. They don't say, right, here's how you're going to do it. No, no surfing school ever teaches you to build a wave. Surfers have to look and spot a wave and then get ready and get positioned to be able to ride the wave. Only God can create waves. Waves of revival, waves of healings, waves of, of new life, waves of receptivity in your life. And I'm praying for a great big wave called the Hyatt Tour that's about to crash onto the shores of this city next week. I'm, I'm praying for a wave to follow it of discipleship. I'm praying for Galaxy, the thing that Ivy's going to put on the week after on Good Friday that LZ7 are going to help us with and, it's gonna, and other people are getting involved to help to disciple some of those young people who give their lives to Jesus. See, our job is not to make waves. It's to position us for them, ourselves for them and to, and to get ready for them. If you're wanting to position yourself for that wave of what God wants to do next in your life, please stand. The only way you can make a bigger splash in the world is not to try and do it yourself but to position yourself in the centre of God's plan to put yourself there why don't you as you're standing there now take all of your plans all of your hopes and your dreams and imagine yourself like on a surfboard you've never been on one but you kind of got a wave of God that's coming behind you he wants to get behind your ideas he wants to get behind your hopes and dreams to the extent that they line up with his dreams we're not trying to build a wave at Ivy we just want to see more and more people coming to know Jesus and it's happening and so stop praying Lord bless what I'm doing start praying Lord help me do what you're blessing help me live the life that you bless if you've never opened your life fully to Jesus Christ yet that's the first decision come to know him I'd love to see you put up a hand so I can pray for you it might just be one or two people here today have never done that now is your moment just stick up a hand so I can see you brave enough to do that give your life fully over to Jesus Christ for the first time yeah some people there in the middle thank you God bless you anybody else this is what we're all about here yeah somebody right at the back thank you Lord keep your hand up so we can give you this book I've written a book it's called uh, work it out to help you figure out what what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ and everybody else, if you agree with the words I say, would you pray this out loud? And I mean loud when I say loud. Father God, I want to discover my purpose. I want to live a life of significance. I want my life to make an eternal difference. So today I'm settling these three commitments. I commit to connecting with others in fellowship. And if this is it for Ivy, then just, just say that to him. Tell him, Lord, I'm going to be part of this church. I'm going to play my part fully. And say this with me. Lord, I commit to serving you by serving others in ministry. 
to use whatever talents that you've got. It's for the benefit of other people. And the final one. Jesus, I want to make an eternal difference. I want to join with the others in your family on the mission of daring faith. We pray this for the glory of your name and the sake of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.